It is Locked on Jazz for the 2nd of August. A complete flaw in my logic, and I will give a mea culpa. Plus, Donovan, year two, Rudy Gobert's leadership, and a look at the Western Conference with Tony Jones in our interview series. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers. You can follow for free Locked on Jazz on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or get any of your smart speakers to play Locked on Jazz by simply saying, play the podcast Locked on Jazz. Thanks so much for tuning in. Greatly appreciate it. Today's show brought to you by Murdoch Hyundai. Uh, I want to just get right. Tony Jones interviews part, I guess, five and six or part three uh, coming up. Uh, we'll have another interview series next week. That's what we'll do all of August. We'll do two probably next week and then one live show would be the thought. I don't know what day we're doing that live show, though, because I'm going to travel for a little bit of uh, next week. Uh, I had really bad logic on yesterday's show. Um, so when I was talking about the Thunder or the Jazz and who has the best chance to catch the Rockets... Uh, there were a few pieces of the puzzle that I suddenly realized afterwards I could have done just as easily the other way around. So my premise a little bit on the Thunder is that they got rid of Carmelo, that that weak link hurt them, and that they get Andre Robertson back from injury, and they're really good. I mean, when Andre Robertson's on the floor, they're plus 10, and when he's off the floor, they're about even. And that puts them as an elite defensive team. And then Carmelo's negative offense helps them out. The interesting thing, though, by the way, on Carmelo is they were actually positive when he was on the floor. And even more interestingly, they were positive when he was on the floor without Paul George or Russell Westbrook. It was only 108 minutes, but they averaged plus 10. They didn't do it very often. Um, but they were actually pretty good in those circumstances. And so... You know, they probably do lose a little bit of something uh, in that regard. But let's let's still stay with the theory that the Thunder are better because they got rid of Carmelo, though they're lacking that defensive weakness and that when Andre Robertson is healthy, that they're going to be a good deal uh, better, as the numbers would show. All of that logic is is probably accurate. Where the flaw in my logic was is I could do the exact same thing for the Utah Jazz. Now, we don't know that anyone's going to stay healthy. And, you know, we're t- and primarily I'm talking about Rudy, who has a checkered track record in being able to stay healthy all of the time. But if you look at the Jazz with Rudy, you know, they're plus 8.3. And with Rudy off the floor, they're only plus one. So that's the exact same impact. Uh, as Andre Robertson, Robertson's actually surprisingly impact was a little bit more, but it's the same concept that this is this great defensive, the value of this great defensive player who changes everything about your defense when they're on the floor. Uh, and as you guys have all learned, I'm very pro kind of the value of defense being much very undervalued in the league. So in the case of Andre Robertson, I would generally think that this value is real. Like I, I buy that value at this point a year ago, I think Ben Golliver and I did a show on the SI's top hundred. And I argued that Andre Robertson should be in the top hundred. Uh, so, I mean, I'm pretty consistent on the value of defense. So Robertson's value to Oklahoma city, Gobert's value to Utah. I'm going to go with, and then you get to the Carmelo factor. And this is where 
maybe this has not been talked about as much as it should be out of politeness. But the Jazz had their version of Carmelo. Joe Johnson. Joe Johnson last year for the Jazz was awful. And I actually think some of it was the uh, pushed-up schedule. I think the veteran players in the league have had their systems for 10 or 12 years, and then the league moved the start date up, and some of those guys just never, ever got going. The other thing happened is that there's like 20 players in the history of the game that have played as many minutes as Joe Johnson. And there's a chance that that was just the last, that was the end of it. And the impact of having Joe Johnson was that when the Jazz defense, which for the season was a 101.6, that when Rudy Gobert was on the floor was a 97.7. When Joe Johnson was on the floor was a 106.8. And frankly, when Rodney Hood was on the floor was a 107.2. I mean, really talk about not being engaged. Uh, So let's just without beating up on Rodney since he's still unsigned and sitting out there and has become kind of the punchline to everyone's jokes these days. I was listening to the open floor with Ben Golliver, and they they punchlined him today. Uh, Joe Johnson is a little bit of the Jazz Carmelo Anthony, and we just moved him at the trade deadline. And then from that moment on, the Jazz were a plus 10.9. Our offensive rating was a 107.4, and our defensive rating was a 96.4. Some of that, I I get very tentative about late season numbers, but we were 22 and 6. We did play 17. It's a little misleading because we were 22 and 6 and played 17 of our games at home and 11 games on the road, so there's a little bit. It's a little misleading there, and we probably should dig into like above 500 versus below 500 opponents and some things. It gets a little, little difficult to always tell. But post-trade deadline, post us moving both Rodney and Joe, but let's zero in on Joe here, somewhat to the, the same logic you would use on the Rocket, on the Thunder being without Carmelo, the Jazz had, were 22-6, and six, their offensive rating was a 107.4, and their defensive rating was number one in the NBA. The offense was 15th. The defense was number one by a mile. They were the number one rebounding team in the league as well. They turned the ball over a little bit offensively. It's fine. Like, they got back to who they are. And so when I take the Thunder over the Jazz because they lose Carmelo and they get Andre Robertson back, I might be wrong in the sense that... If you take Joe Johnson and Rodney Hood off and you go to the fact that Jay Crowder's plus 10.3 in his minutes on the floor with the Jazz and defensively pretty awesome, well, maybe the release of Carmelo Anthony by the Thunder is no different than the Jazz release of Joe Johnson at the trade deadline last year. And maybe that then even further explains the Jazz uh, willingly staying pat and we've talked about there weren't a lot of other options but even even if there were other options there didn't like willingly staying pat that Rodney Hood whose defensive rating was a 107.2 got replaced by Royce O'Neal as a 97 Joe Johnson whose defensive rating was a 106.8 got replaced by Jay Crowder was a 95.8 and so maybe maybe I'm actually way off the boat uh and have missed the logic on that so um 
you know, we'll see. Uh, interesting Bleacher Report story that ranked the top free agency destinations for next year. And they, uh, number one on the list was Philadelphia 76ers. Number two on the list was the Los Angeles Lakers. And number three on the list is the Utah Jazz. It's pretty interesting that you, that the Jazz, um, would mention, they'd mention that. They, they have the Jazz as the number one point differential per 100 possessions after last year's All-Star break without even breaking out on the offensive end. I'm not sure that that's the exact thing I just had, but, um, you know, I think that's kind of to the point of where we are. That's what we're talking about is that the Jazz, to this whole conversation, is that the post-All-Star break, post the trades, I had them as the number two net team in that time period, frankly. Maybe post-All-Star break, they're number one. Um, but that, I think, is... You know, so that's the basis by which you look at where the Jazz were, um, and then they beating Oklahoma City, and they lost to a very good, very very good Houston team. Uh, so it's interesting to have them as, as the third ranked team. Uh, good story floating around the internet. Uh, kid who I think is a little challenged um, uh, intellectually. I think I don't know the right phrase on it. Was at the Apple Store having a hard time, and Donovan Mitchell uh, took care of it, paying for him. The older brother. Um, popped the story out on the internet last night. Donovan just so incredibly gracious with everything uh, he's doing uh, on everything. Uh, that kind of gives me the recap of where we are for our first segment today. And then we'll... Um, so coming up, Tony Jones. We'll talk about Donovan year two, what he expects. Rudy Gobert's leadership style in contrast to Chris Paul. And then we'll get into the Western Conference and where we see things lining up. And Tony and I will have our first disagreement after talking for nearly an hour. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. We teased. We thought we were going to get to this on yesterday's show, and we, we didn't quite get there, Tony. So let's get to it uh, now. It's probably the topic most Jazz fans want to talk about more than anything. Uh, is Donovan Mitchell year two? I went back and watched Donovan Mitchell highlights the other day. Oh, my gosh. I mean, I just decided to go watch him. Oh, my gosh. Is he great? I, I hadn't forgotten, but it was a great reminder. Um, what do you think Donovan Mitchell year two is compared to, and how is that different than year one? So where can he get better? That's the question that you ask yourself, right? So he can become a 40 to 42% three-point shooter, and I think that that's realistic. Um, you know, by the uh, way, by the way, this is an, I got a number for you on this one. Post-All-Star break, he was below 30% on off-the-bounce threes. Think about that. He scored 25 a game below 30% on off-the-bounce threes. Yeah, so obviously if that gets better, <laughs> where does it, where does his scoring go? That's the question, right? Right. I mean, if if his shooting, if his three point shooting gets better, I mean, his, his you know, there's there might not. I mean, it's you know, he he has a chance to to really be um, um, difficult to stop, and I think that he's difficult to stop in this offense. Um, you think he can score thirty a game? Do I think he can score 38, 38 games? Yeah. Um, at some point in his career, I think he could. I don't think that he would could this year. I think that he could get to 25, 26 points per game this year. Um, you know, the thing that I think with Donovan Mitchell is, I think he's got so many ways to score that it's just 
I think it's going to be nearly impossible to shut him off. Um, he's a really good shooter from, from three-point range. Uh, he's good off the bounce in the mid-range. He can get all the way to the basket. He can finish through athleticism. And um, the thing that I think sets him apart from uh, guys of his ilk in terms of Russell Westbrook and John Wall is that he's become a terrific below-the-rim below finisher. Um, uh, he's been, and you have to really credit Johnny Bryant with this, but he's become really crafty in the lane. Uh, he's got crafty, fin he's, he's a crafty finisher with both hands. Uh, he's a really, really good below the rim finisher. Um, so he doesn't have to go in and try to throw his body around and try to challenge people. Um, you know, and, and, and it prevents him from getting beaten up uh, over the course of the season. Uh, he's obviously great in transition. Um, and there, there are two ways I think that he's going to get better. I think that, uh, he can get better um, by by improving his 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 three point percentage, and I think that he's going to get to the line more because I think that that he's he's a bona fide star in this league, and I think that that he's going to get a lot more uh, respect from the officials. Um, so you know, I think that he's going to get to the line a lot. Uh, I think that he's going to improve his shot, and I think that he's he's just going to be a load for for. For people, as long as he stays healthy, he's going to be a load for people to try to stop. Have you seen anything to make you believe that this personality is not real? No, not at all. I, 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 I don't. I think that you know. I think that I, I, I think that if he's faking, it's, it's the, the the greatest acting job <laughs> in, in in history. Um. And I don't think that I don't think that there's anything uh, ingenuine about ingenuine about the way he 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 comes across publicly. Um, like if you're faking, you don't go to somebody's house on 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 July Fourth because you don't have to do that, right? Like you know you don't you know you don't go out of your way to to uh, to to publicly dispute uh, some random guy on Twitter who says that, that Utah's trash. Um, you know, I think that, uh, I think that he really loves this team. I think that the only thing that frustrated him last year was the lack of winning um, in, in the, the, uh, the beginning of the season. And, and I think that, um, you know, Obviously, that that lack of winning that kind of remedied itself. Uh, he's a tremendously competitive individual, uh, and he's a guy who who legitimately thinks that this team can win a championship. And I think that that he's going to do everything in his power to try to bring bring a title here. Rudy Gobert as a leader, how have you seen that evolve? Um. On the court, definitely is is he's he's definitely evolved evolved because he's he's um, a guy who's who's demonstrative on the on the floor. He's um, a really good communicator. Uh, he knows what he wants from his guards defensively. Uh, he knows what um, 
uh, he knows what he wants from from his from his guys uh, offensively as well. So I mean, he's he's a guy who's who's always. I think he's I think he's been a leader for a lot longer than than people want to give him credit for. Um, you know, and and um, I think that he also leads by example um, in terms of um, how he attacks his off season. Um, you know he's he's gotten guys uh, to go box with him. I mean he's you know he's a guy who who's consistently in the gym, uh, on the floor and off the floor. I mean he you know he's a guy that that really works hard, um, and you know you don't want to disappoint him, especially defensively because like you know he's he's going to let you know about it, especially on the floor. And I've, you know and, and there are times that that he gets into his stats on the floor with, with his guys. I mean, you know, sometimes him and Donovan go back and forth. Sometimes him and Joe Ingles go back and forth. Uh, but I think you want that because I think that uh, he's a guy that, that tries to hold himself accountable, and I think that he's a guy that tries to hold his teammates accountable as well. I'm going to probably overstate this a little bit, but so there's the Chris Paul phenomena with that. Chris Paul's always called a great leader. I'm never quite sure why. Because um, his teammates clearly in the clip in LA hated playing with him, um, because he just yelled at him so much. And what I watched happen with the Clippers each year was like they'd get through the year, and then November would come, and Chris would yell at him again, and they'd be like, "Oh my gosh, five more months of this, six months." <laughs> like you could see it, right? Like you could just see it. Is there any concern with Rudy on that, or do you feel like he's got better tact than that? I think he's got better tact than that, and I also think that he's a little bit funnier than Chris is. Um, you know, the greatest thing that happened in Houston and Chris Paul is that, that his guys just didn't give a, give a crap whether he yelled at them or not. Um, and, and he played, you know, he, he um, maybe just wears Stan this year as he's, as he's been there for a year. But, I mean, like, there was a time where there was, I remember a game where he went and yelled at P.J. Tucker and P.J. was like, Shut up, right. and you know, and, and and there were a lot. You know, Trevor Ariza was there. You know, there were a lot of strong veteran presence. There was a lot of strong veteran presence there that just didn't allow Chris uh, to be overbearing um, on his personality. And I think that you know, with with the Jazz, you know, there are enough guys that were here when Rudy was 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 coming up. Uh, so to speak, uh, when Rudy was ascending, so to speak, that, you know, I, I don't think that, that that happens. And I don't think Rudy's as demonstrative as Chris Paul. I mean, Chris Paul, Chris embarrasses guys on the floor, and I don't think Rudy um, does that. Um, and as, as, as I said, I mean, you know, this is a locker room of guys that are not afraid uh, to, to, to express their feelings uh, in return. Uh, if if they feel uh, if they feel the need to do so, and you know, uh, obviously, I'm looking at Joe Ingles when I say when I say that as well. Well, and they all talk about Joe Ingles' humor. I mean, Joe's a fighter and a, and he wants it done right, but he he adds a looseness to some of that that I think may be why are the chemistry so good. The other thing I I just think it's a it's a it's important to point out, and then we'll wrap up with Tony on uh, coming up about where things rank. You know what I really think is important, and I'm reading a book called Culture Code that's pretty fascinating um, in regards to this. That practice 
the practice facility that the Millers built really matters. Like the team chemistry got better because the guys and because of Quinn and because of who Dennis brought in, but also because they're spending time together in a facility that's awesome, that they enjoy, and so it brings camaraderie. It is like I haven't seen the other facilities around the league, but, I mean, if there's something that's better than that facility, it's, then it's paradise. I mean, I could live in that facility. <laughs> well, it's a Ritz-Carlton, I mean, baby. Of course you could. It looks exactly <laughs> like a Ritz-Carlton. You could. You. I mean, that facility is um, It's tremendous in every sense of the word. Um, and... And I, you know, I, I think there's a good point that you make that that it fosters uh, camaraderie because I mean I think that you know a lot of guys want to spend a lot of time in that facility and and I think that um, um, I think that uh, it's it's a it's going to be a free agent attraction. Um, I know a number of guys on this team. Uh, who said that, hey, you know, um, I, I wanted to sign with the Jazz when I saw their practice facility. Um, it's a symbol. And, and I, say that again? It's a symbol to the players that, that the organization yeah. wants to win. I mean, that's what, yeah, that's what absolutely. it is. Tony Jones, Salt Lake Tribune, wraps up with us next, talking about the West and where the Jazz rank as this long, extended, three-show-worthy conversation continues. And this conversation is brought to you by Murdoch Hyundai at 4646 South State Street in Murray. Also, Murdoch Hyundai in Linden for you and Logan as well. I was talking with someone uh, just yesterday about cars. Oh, uh, it was a golf lesson. And uh, my golf instructor said he's in Phoenix half the year here, half the year. And he said, you know, I heard your ads on the... Uh, or actually, I think he just brought up to me, he goes, you know, I've done the research, and this guy is so meticulous, total OCD. And he says, I, I really think, I saw you bought a Hyundai, and I think uh, I'm probably going to do the same for if I put a car in Utah, so I don't have to bring a car back and forth all the time. And I'm obviously paying too much for my golf lessons. And I was like, I'm telling you, I have driven all of them. It, they blow my mind, and I really believe for the dollar value and the features you get, it's the right answer, and that's why we got the one we got. So it was interesting, just other people are kind of picking up on this. And I do think if you're like me, 47 years old, 48 in 10 days, that the Hyundai brand is something that you've got to come around to. I think for the younger group of you guys, you know this already. I, I think I'm telling you something uh, you already know, that Hyundai is the best value out there because I see them everywhere. Uh, check out the Ionic. That's the hybrid model. Check out the new Kona. That's their small SUV. And then, obviously, I love the Santa Fe. That's what we uh, just bought. The sedans, the Sonata, the launchers, uh, world class. It's at 4646 South State Street. It's Murdoch Hyundai. That means you get the Murdoch guarantee. Car wash and safety inspections for life. Five-day price match guarantee. Uh, Five-day return policy and the price match guarantee. It's all at Murdoch Hyundai, 4646 South State Street. Also in Linden and in Logan. All right, so, uh, by the way, one thing we didn't, we kind of alluded to there, I still wonder, did Bob Mute and Trevor Reza leave because of money or because they didn't want to be yelled at again? Uh, but just leave it out there. All right, so how much worse are the Rockets, and did and can the Jazz close that gap to the Rockets? We know where the Warriors sit. Um, let's zero in on that. I think the Rockets are considerably less good with Carmelo instead of Bob Mute, who was their best defensive player, and Trevor Reza. Uh, I haven't 
run my numbers yet to think if they drop, and you know me, I can't make a decision without numbers. So what's your gut? Do you think they've slid far enough that the Jazz narrow that? Um, I think that – so I, I think that coming into free agency, I think that Houston was um, – definitively the number two team in the Western Conference and in the same tier as Golden State. Now, I think that they're still the number two team in the Western Conference, um, but they are no longer um, in the same tier as Golden State. Now they're in the tier uh, with Utah and, and Oklahoma City. I think that that Golden State, Houston, Utah, and OKC are – definitively the best four teams in the Western Conference. Um, but now I think that there's has a chance to be um, a pretty good fight for, for the number two seed in the West um, um, because Ariza is in Phoenix and, and um, Bob Mute is back in, in with Doc uh, in Clipperland. So um, I, I think that the Jazz have – have closed the gap. I think that OKC has closed the gap because Andre Robeson uh, is healthy. Um, but, uh, you know, now I think that um, I think that those three, uh, out of those three, any of those teams could finish two, three, or four now. Yeah, I, you know, I had OKC as second in the West, and then they signed Carmelo, and I dropped him to sixth uh, in my numbers. So without Carmelo, I probably have them back up at second. Um, the one team in the West I think got a lot better is I thought New Orleans got a lot better. Now I'm not a boogie guy, so and I think that Miritich is a stretch, and I think Peyton's better than Rondo, and I like Julius Randle in that mix. I I think New Orleans is the one other Western Conference team I thought got considerably better. Uh, I I I'm not sure I agree because I think Rondo. Really All right, it took us 57 him. minutes to blatantly disagree. Of this conversation. Finally, Tony. Now we blatantly disagree. Yeah. We got off the jazz, and now we start to disagree. Okay, tell me why you think I'm wrong. I, I think Rondo was terrific there. I think that he got guys in in the right spots. I think that his passing uh, and, and the way he pushed the ball and, and the way he forced pace to play, uh, I, think, I, I, I think Rondo had just an awesome, awesome season. Um yeah, and I and I I don't think that Alfred is anywhere near uh, the playmaker uh, that 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 Rondo is. I mean, I think Alfred can push 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 pace pace of play. Uh, I think that Alfred's probably at this point a better defender than Rondo, um, and obviously he's bigger. Um, but Rondo was so good at managing an offense and and running an offense, and he was so good at running that offense, uh, I think that there's going to be a drop-off there. You know, I, I'll buy some of it. I, I think Ron, the pace they played with was exceptional, and maybe that's where Alfred can't take advantage of that the same way um, would be the one. But I, I'm just not a Rondo guy. I just think it's, I think it's a lot of figment of our imagination. Um, but maybe, not, you know, uh, I think he hurt spacing. Not that Peyton helps it a great deal. I think he holds the ball till he gets his own assists. Uh, but he did push the tempo in that group in, in a really, really special manner. How do you evaluate the Lakers? Like, I look at the Lakers, and I don't see a 50-win team, and then I remember LeBron's on. So they have to be a 50-win team, right? 
I have the Lakers fifth right now. Um because of good. Um but at the same time there are gonna be some changes for him. Um he's gonna to have to play in the regular season. And he didn't have to play in Cleveland. And he didn't have to play in Miami. I mean, you know, and 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 when he was with Cleveland, uh especially in the last few years, you know, he only started playing in February. Um, and, and the Western Conference is going to be um, competitive enough that he's going to have to play, um, and he's going to have to exert some energy um, throughout throughout 82 games. And and that's going to be a change for him. Um, you know, so we'll see how he adjusts to that. But, you know, I think that he has a talented group. I mean, I think, you know, Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, Kyle Kuzma, Josh Hart, those guys are really talented guys. Um, yeah, and I think that, you know, I think that obviously the roster has a lot of quirks to it. Um, and I think that, you know, I, I think that the margin of error for them uh, is really thin. And I'm not talking on the floor. I'm talking about in the locker room. Um you know, but but I, you know, LeBron is the best player in the world, and um, I think when you have the best player in the world, that's 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 a really good place to start. And <laughs> and and you know, if if you're Utah going OKC or Houston, uh, you don't want to be in that fourth spot. You want to try to get into that third spot, you know, or that second spot because that fourth spot means that you might see LeBron in the first round, and, and you don't really want to see LeBron in the first round. Well, one of the guys I respect the most around us, the great numbers system, has Jazz a second in his number system. So it will be quite a year to see whether that's true. Tony, this is a great deal of fun. Thanks for taking the week with us here on Locked on Jazz and being a part of our summer interview series. Thanks for kicking it off. Best of luck to you. hope great things happen to you in the near future, my friend. Yeah, thanks, bro. I appreciate you for having me on for an entire week. See you, buddy. Thanks so much for staying with all those interviews. If you enjoyed them, please send Tony a thank you at, at Trib Jazz. I always appreciate uh, how you guys deal with that and how we deal with that. Thanking guests, uh, signature of, of Locked on Jazz. So send Tony a thank you. Uh, don't have a set schedule on who's coming next week. I have an invitation out uh, for someone. Hopefully they'll be great. Thanks very much for tuning into the program. This has been Locked on Jazz, part of Locked on Podcast Network.